We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Grinders NBA morning grind. It's Wednesday, November 9th, but we're recording late Tuesday night. We got a wild slate of basketball after the bye week day we had on Tuesday where there was no games. We have a lot going on on Wednesday, including a game that got moved due to weather. A little bit of everything here. I'm Luke and I'm here with PJ Royal. Thanks for joining me. Doing well. Last minute sub in. I made a little trade with uh, our guy Chief. He's taking uh, my show later in this week so I can go watch Black Panther Wakanda forever. And uh, I'm taking his uh, his spot tonight here on uh, American Election Night. So I'm sitting in Canada at home. I don't have to go vote. And hopefully everybody in the, in the U.S. went and did that today. And there are way worse things I could be doing hanging out on my Tuesday night than talking basketball with you, Luch. So I'm happy to be happy to be here. Appreciate that. I think I'll take that as a compliment. So we'll uh, we'll run with that. Hey, we'll dive right into it because there's a lot to talk about. The major difference here is the Dallas Orlando game due to the hurricane that's coming through the southeast. DraftKings just got rid of that game, the Dallas Orlando game, but FanDuel. Uh, kept it on the slate, and that's going to be a 5.30 Eastern start, so there's a huge gap between 
that game and the start of the rest of the slate, TJ, that's a big deal uh, because a guy named Luka Doncic is playing at 5.30 now. So we have different lock times uh, and things are going to be quite different for each slate between sites. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to manage because this is going to be a, what, 13-game slate on FanDuel now? And that's going to be tough to manage because with this one game starting an hour and a half before any others, four and a half hours before uh, our last games of the night, it's going to make late swapping and deciding if we want to play players in this game very very important and so obviously you said we got Luca up top he's 11-8 on FanDuel and that's just not enough for a guy who's averaging 62 and a half FanDuel points a game how often are you going to see a guy averaging 5x salary when he's 11-8k that just doesn't really happen very often so like I, we got to prioritize him against Orlando. The only thing you really got to cons- like think about is is if we get uh, Paolo Banchero is questionable for this game. If he's out, maybe we're looking at some blowout risk. But at the same time, we also got Christian Wood out. We got Tim Hardaway is uh, is questionable for this one. If these players are out, like Luca's going to have to be doing absolutely everything in this one, and it's going to be very difficult not to play him, even though his start time is very early. Yeah, and if Tim Hardaway's out, you have to have some kind of interest in Spencer Dinwiddie. His price is getting up there a little bit with the size of the slate. I'm not sure. Excuse me. I'm not sure how much I'll prioritize him. Got my COVID booster yesterday, and it's kicking my ass today, and I'm a little under the weather, but I'm battling through it. But uh, Dinwiddie would be in play. But, yeah, Luca would have a huge burden on his shoulders, uh, especially if Tim Hardaway is out as well. So, uh, right off the bat, it's a fantastic matchup for Luca, And he's probably – I mean, he hasn't had a game with less than 50 fans of points. So, you take Christian Wood out of the equation now. I know it's early, but you have to think about prioritizing Luca on FanDuel. And essentially all comes down to – what is your priority spend? Is it Luka Doncic? Is it Giannis Antetokounmpo? Or is it Kevin Durant? Or is it Nikola Jokic, who's all of a sudden starting to not be as expensive as he was? So there are so many great spend-up options. It's reasonable to not play him, but he's just been by far the best fantasy producer this year that I think at that price tag, when it's still below 12K, especially if we get Tim Hardaway Jr. out as well, he's just going to be getting a crazy usage, I think. Luca is going to be the top spend up on the slates on FanDuel. I wouldn't touch any of the other players on Dallas. It's too big of a slate. We're going to need that late swappability. We have Paolo Banchero questionable if he's out. All of a sudden, somebody like Wendell Carter Jr., Bowl Bowl, these guys are, look even more interesting. I think Bowl Bowl would probably be my favorite target at 5,900 on FanDuel. But that game's not even on the DK slate, and we got a big one. So I think. Let's uh, let's move on to the next. Yeah, Portland traveling to Charlotte. Portland has a bunch of guys with Q tags, like their whole starting core, but they're all actually probable. So we'll see. Uh, you know, should be some points in this one. Lillard and Simons playing together. It's hard to figure out, you know, wh- where the ceiling is going to be, where the usage is going to be divided. Um, Nurkic has been playing really good basketball. I love that matchup on the inside for him. Uh, uh, for Charlotte, you know, Gordon Hayward's out. 
Um, LaMelo Ball still out. So you have Terry Rozier, who's probably the primary usage guy. He's taken over 23 shots in his, each of his last three games, but he's shot no better better than 39% from the floor. Portland might be a pretty good get right spot for uh, Terry Rozier. Talk to me about this game. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys that have ceilings, but they're all going to be playing together most likely. Yeah, so on the Portland side, if all of these guys are in, I don't think I really have any interest in anyone outside of Yusuf Nurkic in GPPs, Jeremy Grant in GPPs, just because the guards being back shouldn't affect them all too much. We've seen how bigs just absolutely dominate Charlotte uh, this year and how they have over the years. So Grant and and uh, Nurkic, I think, would be the only ones I'd want to take shots on. And then on the Charlotte side, Terry Rozier is very, very interesting. I think especially on DraftKings where he's 7,800. He's one of the better plays, plays on the slate. Kelly Oubre and P.J. Washington are both all right, uh, but I think on DraftKings, but P.J. Washington on FanDuel is very interesting to me at $5,800. Yeah, 221.5, respectable game total there. Uh, I'm pretty much on the same boat as your analysis there. Tough to prioritize anybody on Portland if they're all in, but I do like Rosier. You should see a ton of volume. On the other side, would you like to go over to Denver and Indiana? Yeah, last player I want to touch on is that I'd have in my pool if I was running 150 would be Jalen McDaniels. But other than that, let's take it on to uh, Denver and Indiana. On Denver, Nikola Jokic isn't somebody I think I'd want to touch on DraftKings at that high price tag unless I was running 150. Everybody else on DK, same thing. Like 150, Contavious Caldwell Pope. But other than that, I don't think I want to get to any Denver players. On FanDuel... It's a bit of a different story because these guys are quite a bit cheaper. Nikola Jokic is only 10-7 on FanDuel, and so I'm a lot more interested in getting to him over there. The guys like Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, these guys are just priced up a little bit too much for me to have uh, a ton of interest in. But Jamal Murray at uh, 5,900 on FanDuel is still way too cheap for him for the amount of minutes he is now playing, and I think he makes for a good play as well. Yeah, Jamal Murray is super interesting. I, I'm interested in Jokic if I'm multi-entering. I'm seeing a 235.5 total uh, for this game. It looks like Denver is 5.5-point favorite, so their team total is pushing 120. That's gross. That's, that's a big number. Um, Jokic didn't really have many ceiling games, finally had a 60-bomb on FanDuel. He had another weird game where he had like 10 turnovers, and that takes away 10 points on FanDuel. So, I don't know. I, I kind of like Jokic at – we have him projected currently at like minimal ownership here, which is another reason to go a little overweight with him, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I do have interest in Jokic and I like your Murray call quite a bit. A lot of these uh, guards on Denver that we were looking for value, uh, you know, it's tough to want to play Caldwell Pope or Bruce Brown and Bones Highland because on DK, they're right all around the 5K mark. And Jamal Murray's finally getting those minutes. He's finally ramped up. So I don't know what the upside is for those guards at 5K with everybody in. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I like Murray. I like Jokic quite a bit. And on the Indiana side, honestly, I'd probably only use these guys as a run back with Jokic. I don't really want to prioritize anybody here outside of Halliburton. Another guy I would throw into the mix, we still have Chris Duarte out. Aaron Neesmith is questionable, would be uh, Benedict Mathurin. 
Miles Turner on DraftKings at 5,700 is just stupidly cheap. Like his floor, as long as he doesn't get hurt or into foul trouble is like five, six X here. Um, and so he just had 62 and a half fantasy points his last game against the Pelicans. That's it's just simply too cheap of a price tag for him on DraftKings. And so Miles Turner, I think is interesting. And then on FanDuel where Jokic is a little bit cheaper and you have Murray cheap as well. I think this is like, you mentioned the 235 total. It's not a super big spread. I think this is the most interesting game stack on the slate, especially over on FanDuel where you can play a 10-7 Jokic, uh, 8,800 Halliburton. You can play, you can still add Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, and uh, Benedict Mathura into the list. And you're looking at a nice three, two stack with the highest total on the slate with over 5k average salary per player over there on FanDuel with that stack. So this would be my favorite kind of game stack on the slate. Well, Burton has been so good and still not 9k. I mean, look at the game log two, three, four, five, six, six games with 50 plus DK points uh, since. Yeah. Since the 19th. I mean, why is he not 9K? I don't, I don't understand. Uh, yeah, the 19th was the first game, so or the 18th was the opening night. So he's literally had six 50-point games, and he's still not 9K. I don't understand why. But I like the, the spot for Jokic uh, and Murray quite a bit. I mean, the, at first look, I looked at that game total, and I was like, I want to make sure this is right. That's a really high number. But Indiana's playing at a top-five pace, and they have the third – worst defensive efficiency in the league and Denver is bottom third of the league in defensive efficiency as well. So they're not really playing good defense either. So interesting little game stack idea here for tournaments, especially if these guys are going to come in pretty low owned. Anything else you want to mention on this one or should we move on? No, the last thing I'd want to touch on is just in general on DraftKings today, I could see myself going with the mid range kind of balanced build just because the pricing is a lot more efficient over there. I think today on FanDuel, where we got Nikola Jokic at 10, seven, like that's just, that feels real, real cheap. It's, it's tough on such a big slate when we got so many games later in the night, but it's tough to not kind of want to just begin my core as Doncic, Halliburton, and, and Jokic, and just kind of seeing where my night goes from there, taking my points early in the evening, th- that feels like a really nice way to start out a lineup on FanDuel. Yeah, we'll see what kind of value opens up. There are a handful of 730 games. I'll let you steer the ship. Which game do you want to go to first? Let's go Detroit and Boston. I'm looking at FanDuel right here, and that's the next one up on the on their list there. What do you think about Detroit outside of Cade Cunningham? I don't know if I can play anybody going up against this Boston defense. Yeah, we know who Boston is. That identity has has carried over. They play slow. They play good defense. There's a real blowout risk here, 11.5 point spread. I know you're looking at the same things I am. Um, That being said, you know, Tatum and Brown still have 50-point upside even in a blowout. And in competitive games, I'm prone to kind of do a run back with a stud if I think the game's going to be good. But I still think Tatum or Brown 
have 50 point ceilings, even if they don't play 40 minutes, there's a chance one of them just goes crazy. So I wouldn't exactly prioritize Tatum or Brown, but I wouldn't X them out of the pool. As for Detroit, there's not much I'm, I'm, I'm interested here. I know Cunningham does have, you know, we've seen 50 points out of him twice this season. Uh, I just don't think this is the spot. Kind of a gut feel and looking at the pace and the data that we have here, I, I wouldn't go out of my way to really play anybody on Detroit. You know, I think my favorite run back on Detroit is actually going to be Jaden Ivey. 5500 on DraftKings, 5800 on FanDuel. He's showed he's got a he, he's shown he's got a 50 uh point ceiling if not at least just 40. So I think he's in a, in an interesting spot, but I don't think I'd be playing any of these Detroit guys unless I was playing Tatum or Brown. When you see that significant price difference between Tatum and Brown, like it just it does seem feel easy to want to just go to Brown because he's $2,000 cheaper, but Tatum's just been so good this year. He's a legitimate top five player in the NBA. Now I think we're finally seeing the changing of the guard where these young guys are surpassing the LeBron Jameses and Luca might just be the best player in the NBA. uh, Jason Tatum is finally that top five player that people have been waiting for him to be. Um, I think we're seeing that. So Tatum, I think is, Always a great GPP play because unless he's got a phenomenal matchup, he always goes under-owned. If I'm playing 150, I would still include the Jalen Browns, the Marcus Smarts, but other than that, I'm not really interested in a lot here. Yeah, I I think I agree because we're still having we're still having sticker shock with who Jason Tatum really is, right? This is he's arrived. He's fully here. It's not the inconsistent guy who would flash a ceiling once in a while. You know, he's hitting his ceiling every other game, it seems like at minimum. Playing ten three for paying ten three for Tatum on a huge slate just it feels dirty, right? So that that seems like a good tournament play for me. I agree. I just wouldn't really um, push to run it back with anybody. And I, I agree with you. I think Luka Doncic is the best player in the NBA. And that debate could have another sixty minute podcast on its own. I'm sure some people will disagree with us, but I, I think you're right. I think Luka is the best player in the league. And what is the cliche, you know, who are the players that make everyone else better on the team? I, I think Luca like solidifies that, that statement. Um, well, you not- take Luka Doncic off the Mavs and they're a bottom three team in the NBA right now. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they would have gotten a little more help, but I guess Christian Wood will be suffice. Poor Luca. <laughs> is, I mean, is there, well, we won't spend too much time on this, but like, is there a debate that it's anyone right now outside of Giannis or Luca? The LeBron truthers have entered the chat, right? <laughs> like I'm, I was, when I was younger and immature, I was a LeBron hater and I, without a doubt, like they're, LeBron and MJ are one A, one B. It depends what kind of metrics you want to use. And I don't think you can have Braun ranked any lower than that based on what he's done, but I don't think he's there anymore. Let's talk about my next favorite game stack on the slate outside of Denver and Indiana. And it's Houston and Toronto. These Toronto guys have started to get priced up a little bit, especially on FanDuel. Finally, Van Vliet's 8.5K, still too cheap for Nosiakam. I think 45 is his 
median at his floor right now. And Kyle and Fred Van Vliet will be one of my favorite tournament plays. Somebody like an OG, even though his steals and blocks are more valuable on FanDuel, I'd be more interested in playing him on DK where he's only 7K. Gary Trent, same thing. He's a DK play for me. 5,700, you got that three-point bonus. I have interest. This is going to be where I'm going to be looking to take some GPP value shots. Guys like Chris Boucher, Boucher Precious Achua, uh, Christian Coloco was a guy that had a huge game the other night, disappointed the people who tried to run it back and play, uh, play him the next day. But he is still somebody that has upside at a cheap price tag. And I would only be looking to play him over on FanDuel where he's still 3,700 and you're rewarded for those blocks more. But one of the reasons I like this game so much is you got all these options on the Toronto side. Didn't even mention Scotty Barnes who had a down game last game, but this is Houston. There's no, like there's no better matchup in the NBA than Houston. And so I'm very interested in all of these Toronto players. And then if you're looking to run it back on the other side with Houston, you got Kevin Porter Jr. with his big ceiling and Jalen Green, who is just severely underpriced, especially on FanDuel, $5,900 Jalen Green. I love him in this spot. He's probably like a cash game priority for me. Kevin Porter Jr. at 7-4 there over on FanDuel. I like the Rockets better on FanDuel. I like Toronto better on DraftKings, but I really like both of these teams on both sides. I think our guys, Sangoon's like very much so in play now without Siakam. They won't have to really worry about small ball Siakam at the five, kind of trying to run Sangoon off the court as much. You know, you have some more traditional uh, type centers who aren't as athletic as Siakam. I mean, Boucher in his own right, you know, he can get up and down. But I, I like the upside of Sangoon here, man, especially without Siakam. You know, he'll give you 30 minutes and 6500 on DK, I think, is a fair price for somebody with, you know, 45 to 50 point upside. So uh, let me get back to the Toronto side is Van Fleet has been very good without Siakam on the court this season, 128 minute sample size Van Fleet averages. Let's see where are you, Fred five and a half more real points per 36 minutes. And he gets a 5% usage bump. So, uh, you know, the guards, the ball handlers, they're the guys who benefit the most in these fast paced games. And I think this is, a really, really, really good Fred Van Fleet spot who has played 39 and 34 minutes consecutively after missing a handful of games, dropping 56 and 46 DK points. Um, and now he's got Houston, like you said, going to be a torrid pace and no defense. I like Fred Van Fleet for cash games and, and probably all formats as well. You want to hear a hot take? Yep. Shangun is such a point per minute monster that he might still do very well, but I actually don't really like him that much today. Because you want to know what the Raptors' closing lineup is going to be and what will be a, I think, potentially GPP winning value play on this slate, specifically on DraftKings. What's that? The Raptors' closing lineup, which will lead to, if this game is close, which will lead to Shangun not being on the floor to uh, to close the fourth quarter, is going to be Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, and Otto Porter. And $3,600 Otto Porter is going to play his most minutes of the season. His, the most he's played so far is um, 21, but he played both games in a back-to-back last week uh, and went uh, 
21 and 17 minutes. So like he's getting up there in minutes, $3,600. I think he could play 24 to 26 minutes in this spot. Three point bonus on DraftKings if he has. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed up closing against a team like Houston, I think he could break the slate with a 10x score at that salary. And we know they already hate Chris Boucher up there. So they're not exactly sitting on their hands waiting for someone to take time away from him for some reason. So that could be a good call. We'll see how that time gets divvied up. I like it. I like the hot takes here on late Tuesday night. How about Utah and Atlanta? The new Jazz, they're fun to play against, against and they're fun to play their team finally like they're not the slow jazz that play good defense they are like a bunch of nomads who are thrown together and are playing really good basketball and you know mark kennan's viable and like mike conley has a bit of resurgence and they're kind of fun and i feel like this could be another game with some dfs caveats as well what are your thoughts on this one collectively so I have to kind of, I can't help but start this game without talking about the questionable tag on Trey Young because if Trey plays, I still like this game, especially the Utah side, but it does make things tougher because you have to choose between Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. And they're both priced very similarly. Similarly, they're $200 apart on FanDuel, they're $300 apart on DraftKings. Uh, Young's a bit cheaper on FanDuel. Murray's a bit cheaper on DraftKings. It's going to be a tough call because these are two great uh, players in two great spots. And so if we get Trey Young out and I just know I can lock and load DeJounte Murray, DeJounte Murray becomes the best spend up on this slate without a doubt. He will be. He is your priority for cash games, for tournaments, whatever. It's DeJounte Murray. He's unpriced if Trey Young is out. Young and Murray are both fine for tournaments if they're in, but I think they're priced appropriately for both of them playing. If Young is out, I think it's without a doubt DeJounte Murray day. And what makes this game a lot more interesting then is if I know I'm playing DeJounte Murray, these Utah runbacks become a lot more interesting. Lori Markinen, the sites just see his name and go, we can't price this guy higher than this. This is Lori Markinen, but... He's got a 60-point ceiling. He's got a 30-point floor. He needs to be a 9K player, and he's 8K on FanDuel. He's $7,600 on DraftKings. Where you get that three-point bonus over there, he becomes a really, really strong play. 
I personally always lean Jordan Clarkson over Mike Conley when they're similarly priced. I'm a Clarkson guy over Conley. Um, but I think Kelly Olenek is very interesting for tournaments. If we get Jared Vanderbilt out again, then all of a sudden some value like Malik Beasley and Taylor Horton Tucker open up. We got a $3,900 Beasley, $3,200 Horton Tucker, and a $3,300 Walker Kessler on DraftKings. I think all three of those are very interesting values if Jared Vanderbilt is out. Yeah, Vanderbilt does not play. I'm definitely sliding Olenek and marking in up on my uh, on my board a little bit for sure. And um, even if Trey Young plays, I definitely would want exposure to both of them, but definitely setting a build rule. You don't want to play them together on this slate if they're both. Unless there. it's a full game stack. True. I'd play Young and Marie together thinking both of them could have 60 plus fantasy points if I'm running it back with Markin and Clarkson, Olenek, something like that. But that's kind of the only situation that I'd play them together. That's fair. Don't hate it. Um, Brooklyn hosting the Knicks battle for New York and Kevin Durant is with Kyrie Irving. So where does Durant slide in as a priority for you on this slate? I think right on FanDuel, I think he slots in behind Luka, behind Jokic, and right around on the mark with Giannis with Giannis. Like I, I view them kind of similarly. If we get Trey young out, if we get uh LeBron or AD out, then obviously we have to reevaluate based on that. But at the moment, LeBron and AD are both uh, listed as probable young. We're, we're not going to know about. So for me on FanDuel, it's Doncic one, Jokic two, Durant and Giannis three, a three B. On DraftKings, it's a bit different of a story, though, um, because of where these prices are. You uh, Like on FanDuel, it's only a $400 difference between Giannis and Durant, and so that's why I have a slight lean for Giannis over there. On DraftKings, Durant's 11K, and Giannis is 12.4. And so Durant, I think, is the number one priority spend-up for me on DraftKings as it stands right now. He's 600 cheaper than Jokic. He's 1400 cheaper than Giannis. Doncic isn't on the slate. With no Kyrie Irving, unless Trey Young is out making uh, DeJounte Murray my favorite, at the moment, I think uh, Kevin Durant is my favorite spend-up on DraftKings. I love Jalen Brunson's price on DK, 7100 He's 78 over on FanDuel. Well, Ben Simmons scored 10 points in an NBA game this season. How crazy is that? He has not scored 10 points in any game this season. Terrible. Uh, he's- I have no interest in Ben. I do have interest in Claxton. I don't think I have any. I, I want to play the ancillary guys because they've been priced up. And even though New York hasn't been as imposing defensively as they have been in the past this year, um, with the with the guys getting like priced up like Cam Thomas and stuff like that. Royce O'Neal on FanDuel and and Claxton on both sides are the only shots on Brooklyn I'd want to take outside of Durant. But I'm with you on Jalen Brunson on DraftKings. That price is real nice. Julius Randle on both sides I think is very, very interesting. 7,200 on FanDuel 
We know this Brooklyn defense can't stop anybody on the inside. Two games without uh, Mitch Robb now. Uh, he's had 40 points in both or just under, just over 40 minutes in one of those games. Julius Randle, especially on FanDuel, I think is very interesting. And then Brunson, especially on DraftKings. Barrett, I think, is kind of fine on both sites. And, I mean, Isaiah Hartenstein is somebody we, are st- we still have to be very interested in. He only played 20 minutes last game. Uh, 21 minutes when we saw Sims go into the starting lineup. And so if Sims ends up starting again, we're going to have less interest in uh, in Hartenstein and, and Sims will only be a player specifically on DraftKings that maybe you include in 150. But still, I think he's viable in uh, – Hartenstein's viable in tournaments. But it's Julius Randle on FanDuel and uh, Jalen Brunson on DraftKings that are really the most interesting with guys like Cam Reddish and Obi Toppin is, yeah, maybe you want to take a shot on them if you're running 150, but do I really need to? Um, I wish they Toppin had played 26 minutes last game. So sorry, sorry to cut you off right after I stopped talking there. But uh, if Sim starts, I think Toppin is the player you want to play. And then if Hartenstein starts, he's one of the best mid-range slash value plays on the slate. Yeah, I was going to just say, I wish they'd get over this whole Jericho Sims thing that they've been hell-bent on, because Obi Toppin's the play. Obi Toppin has the upside. He's 3,800. If we get 25 minutes out of him, I think he has a chance to smash against Brooklyn. And I think he's a player who is really about to take the next step. I really do. He played significant fourth-quarter minutes last game. He played with the starting group um, up until they got yanked with about, oh, I don't know, a minute or two left to play. Toppin just finished it out, but... Maybe that was a tale of things to come. Maybe they're going to solidify his role a little bit more. Um, Jericho Sims didn't play any of the fourth quarter. Well, and the thing is, too, is like, so if they start Sims, that's probably bad, very bad news for Hartenstein because uh, Brooklyn's been doing this thing lately since Kyrie's been out where they've been kind of closing with Durant at the five. Um, and Swift doesn't even play at the end of the game, no matter how monstrous of a game he's had, because he seems to be a bit of a defensive liability in there. So if that's the case, you're probably going to see Toppin closing again. I take back everything I said earlier about this being a balanced day for me on DraftKings with guys like Toppin that may not be super highly owned, but potentially he will be. Um, And then looking back at some of these other value plays, we've talked about like Toronto players and, maybe some Utah guys. I think this is going to end up being uh, stars and scrubsy as per usual. Yeah. I mean, Toppin just screams the guy you want to have, you know, if they run that Durant closing lineup at the five, you probably want Toppin in there. Not like he's going to be able to defer Durant, but he probably gives you a little bit better of a, of a shot than Jericho Sims, a little more athleticism. And it definitely is not a spot for Isaiah Hartenstein to have any business on the floor if Durant's running the five. So we just keep an eye on the Knicks starting lineup. If Hartenstein's in, like TJ said, to start, um, that's a big deal for him because, I mean, he could, he could hit his ceiling in the first half. We know he's a point-per-minute uh, monster when he gets the time. So keep an eye on that Knicks starting lineup. Let's go to the next game here. we got just such a massive slate here. Um, New Orleans and Chicago, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. We're on the second half of the, of the DK page. So we got New Orleans and Chicago. And then I believe only, uh, five games after that. We're on the back half. So pretty much everyone is expected to play for 
New Orleans, which, you know, I don't have a ton of interest in many of these guys when they play together. Brandon Ingram still finding a way to kind of get there. Um, 7,900, he's going to be tough to get into builds. Zion has 50-point upside for sure at 8,300. I don't hate that. Chicago side of things, uh, kind of same old story. When the big three for Chicago are together, I don't have a ton of interest in any of them, except I don't mind Zach Levine's price at 7,400 on DK. He's probably the guy in Chicago out of the three main uh, stud players that I'd be willing to go overweight on a little bit. Zach Levine at 7K on FanDuel and Brandon Ingram at 7-7 over there, both with shooting guard and small forward eligibility. Feels like a fantastic way to get some exposure to this game that should be very high scoring. The tough thing is, is exactly like you said, everybody's in. Zion, Ingram, Jay Val, CJ McCollum all have huge upside. But we don't know which one it's going to be. And if you play if you're if you play a little bit of all of them, it's going to be tough to get the right combinations uh, in with the other guys you want to have in the right one. The one thing I will say is Larry Nance is questionable, and if Larry Nance doesn't play, he's been closing lately. If he doesn't play, it all of a sudden makes Jonas Valanciunas a lot more interesting because you got a guy like uh, Nikola Vucevic there on the other side. They're going to need somebody big to defend him. No Larry Nance in there. It probably means JV closes. And if JV gets the minutes, JV is a per-minute monster. So I think he makes for a very strong tournament play. And then I think uh, Ingram and uh, Levine would be my – Levine would be my favorite play from this game. Ingram would be my favorite point-per-dollar play for uh, the Pelicans. But I also really like the potential of Zion and Jonas Valanciunas' upside. For me, this would be a game that I look to either kind of – this wouldn't be a full game stack game just because these guys are all priced kind of just too cheap but not to the price that you can just jam in all of them and feel super good with the rest of your lineup. So I'd want to probably set a rule that I'd only play one of Zion, Ingram, JV, McCollum, and then – probably the same thing on Chicago. Like, I don't know if I'd really want to get more than one of Levine, Vucevic, and DeRozan. Yeah, I I like doing that as well, splitting those guys up. I I have to go over to the OKC game because I I don't understand something, TJ. We're going to go there. We're just going to go there. SGA is coming off a 58-point DK game, and they dropped his play to 9,100. What are we doing here on DraftKings, guys? Why, why is he the third cheapest he's been all season, other than the first uh, week of games? Josh Giddy's playing 25 minutes at most. He's clearly not right. And there's no reason that SGA isn't just going to launch. Of course, there's blowout concerns with Milwaukee. But 9,100 for SGA? I mean, even if he plays three and a half quarters, he should give you a pretty good floor, um, you know, if you're looking to play something optimally. And he still has crazy feeling at that price if, if he can chuck and keep this game close for Oklahoma City yeah I'm 100% with you there like you know I've been kind of underweight on SGA all year and it's seemed to be biting me in the butt and I don't know if I want to be doing this again today especially on DraftKings at $9,100 like why what is going on with this price decrease this is a guy that's averaging over 50 fantasy points a game. SGA, 9,100. We've talked about all these other great spend-ups, but, I mean, 
tell me there's a higher upside mini stack than SGA and Giannis Antetokounmpo today. And you can make it work with at those at that price for sure. I've like Giannis is priced up, but like SGA is just so heavily underpriced on DraftKings, and he's still a bit too cheap on FanDuel too. So like he's gonna make for a very strong tournament play because he's probably not gonna be very highly owned with all of these other options on FanDuel. And then on DraftKings at 9,100, like, I think that's, like, you're probably looking to SGA and cash, no? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I it depends what kind of news we get. If we get Trey Young news, I'm still probably prioritizing DeJounte. Yeah. And I 100%. want Luka. I feel like I want Luka on FanDuel. Um, he's not so on- like, but on DraftKings where you have no Luka and that's where he's cheap, Um. But, but I think uh, I think that's where uh, um, that's where you're looking at SGA and like maybe even cash viable. But so the the uh, the kicker is is Drew Holiday is doubtful. So you're going to take away their best perimeter defender most likely, and that you know that bumps Giannis's usage up even more without Drew and Chris Middleton. And we're looking at we're looking at a potential Bobby Portis day, maybe some Grayson Allen shares, maybe Jordan Nawara gets a little bit of run, you know. Another guy with 3,600. This is setting up to be a headache. Look, I missed the Drew Holiday doubtful news. And so that definitely fires Giannis above Kevin Durant for me on FanDuel, where their prices are similar. On DraftKings, where he's all the way up over 12K, that's where things get a little tougher. But, uh, you know, with Drew Holiday out and a super cheap SGA, this is looking like an even like a phenomenal game stack as well. Like, do you think I, this looks like a good spot to me for if some of the value that we were hoping in other places doesn't open up, like some of the Utah spot stuff with Jared Vanderbilt, stuff like that. Then all of a sudden I think we can look at somebody even like uh, Javon Carter at uh, 3,900 on DraftKings with no Drew Holiday. Uh, Grayson Allen, obviously, uh, is probably going to be the most appealing guy but um, outside of Giannis. Uh, but I think even somebody like a Javon Carter comes interesting. And then Grayson Allen, especially on FanDuel, where he's 4,200, shooting guard, small forward eligibility. Um, I think he's going into the slate with Holiday is doubtful, probably like the most secure value we have at this point. Javon Carter coming off back-to-back very strong games. And I love that he's a scrappy point scorer. He has had at least one steal in every game that he's played so far this season. So if you get a little garbage, little garbage points at 3,600 or whatever, he has a real opportunity to crush in this game against Oklahoma City. So very, very interesting stuff here. I would maybe even consider... Like, if you're looking for places to take stands, if you're multi-entering, that doesn't always mean trim everybody out of your player pool. But maybe I want to attach all of my SGA shares with Giannis. So I know that in every lineup I have with SGA, I have with Giannis. You can do things like that if you're not comfortable with just Xing out a bunch of players and running a super, super tight pool, which is fine. And I do that sometimes. But this seems like a perfect opportunity um, that if it's, you know, stud versus stud, 1v1 stack hits – I think you'll be in pretty good shape. And I think this game does have a chance to be a little more competitive than, you know, than maybe um, what we initially thought. Yeah, I'm with you. Agree. I'm with you there. hundred percent. I like this one 
quite a bit. And I kind of something I hope happens is that we see like Grayson Allen's been coming off the bench, right? I hope we see George Hill step into the starting lineup so that people play George Hill and get scared off of Grayson a little bit. He'll still be like well owned because people are sharp enough to know even if he comes off the bench, that means usage. But I hope we see George Hill thrust into the starting lineup. People play George Hill. George Hill chalk inevitably fails and we get a little bit of an edge elsewhere in this game. Man, that 530 start is really uh, a slap in the face because I'm moving us on to our next game here. And Chris Paul is questionable, which which could do some more things, TJ. That's when it comes down to it. It's like Yana, like Luka Doncic will be the highest projected play on FanDuel probably. But do we want to lock up that much salary when we don't know about Trey Young? We don't know about Chris Paul. Drew Holiday is doubtful. The Lakers always do weird stuff. Utah could open up value. Stuff like that. Like, it makes the decision very difficult. Yeah, I I agree. It seems like a good night to play DraftKings. That's what it seems like. Just getting rid of that 5.30 start time. But... What does Chris Paul do? If you don't know, if he's not playing, what does that do? It opens up real minutes for a campaign at 4,300 on DK. And we know what his ceiling is when he plays 30 minutes. Very strong producer. Um, and it puts the ball in Devin Booker's hands a lot more, too. His That assist rate seems to jump without Chris Paul. And we're talking about a 9K Devin Booker. We know he gets most of his points off scoring now if he exceeds his assist expectation. Another cheap 9K player on the slate that could be thrusted into a gigantic role. And we're back into, am I wanting to play the mid-range build today over on DraftKings? And Devin Booker is $8,600 on FanDuel. Minnesota's been playing horrible this year. We know him and Towns are best buds. These guys always kind of go at each other. I'm not quite as interested in Towns now that Rudy Gobert is back, but... Man, an $8,600 Devin Booker is very, very interesting. And Cameron Payne would become one of the better value plays on the slate as well. We still have uh, Cam Johnson out as well. This team doesn't have Tory, uh, Jay Crowder. So Tory Craig, Landry Shamit, Damian Lee, all would become viable alongside Payne. And I think I'd rank them Payne number one, but my favorite for tournaments would without a doubt be Damian Lee. I'd way rather take a shot on him than Shamit. Shamit has never really been a strong point per minute guy. He's just a three and D player. Whereas Damian Lee is somebody that we've seen um, when he gets the minutes, he produces. And so I would actually kind of like to see here. I'd, I'd hope Damian Lee wasn't in the starting lineup and they just insert pain there. And I would really like him as a tournament play because if he outplays pain, he could end up closing, but also um, that would allow him to have a lot of usage with the second unit, probably be the ball handler there. Um, and so I'd have a lot of interest in Damian Lee in tournaments for large field stuff. But yeah, if Paul was out, then Devin Booker becomes arguably the top point per dollar play on the slate. He's in the same range as DeJounte Murray without Trey Young, that type of thing. They like Damian Lee a lot in Phoenix. He, he does close occasionally. So they'll give him real minutes if Chris Paul's out. Um, he's played over 20 his last three. Um, and I think that's a good call. 3,200 on DK. And like, yeah. I hope he doesn't start because then he'll be low owned. And if he gets you 23, 24 points, you could live with that. I mean, on this slate, you're going to need some ceiling. I, usually I would say. And look, 
like, look, I've been saying that too. And it honestly hasn't been the case. Like that last morning grind we were on, like, remember, like you were way closer to the right side than I was. Remember when I was saying that the tournaments on FanDuel were going to get close to 500 uh, points. Like we've got these 12 game, 13 game, 15 game slates with injuries and tons of values. The scores haven't been high lately. Like people really haven't been putting up that big of games. Like some, but one or two people have been breaking the slate, but a lot of people have been disappointing lately. So getting some secure value is looking a little bit more appealing than it has been in the, just a few weeks ago. We're getting there. Memphis and San Antonio, a game with real blowout potential as well, but Ja, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, these guys aren't going to carry ownership because we covered about a laundry list of guys who could be thrusted into really, really good spots. And with Memphis and a blow up risk here and, and really not anybody you really want to go out of your way to run this game back with on the San Antonio side, we're not going to see anybody play John Morant and he's coming off a massive game. We're probably not going to see anybody play Desmond Bain on this slate. We just, there's so many guys in that mid range that you were alluding to that are just that are, or could be in just smash spots. So, I think Memphis gets completely overlooked, but my gut says it blows out here, but what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't and jaw drops 55, 60? Is 55 enough on this slate at 10-1? I don't know. Maybe not. With all these 9K, you know, high 8K guys that are in good spots, maybe it's not good enough. So maybe you just avoid this game altogether. What do you think? I think that if Steven Adams is out, Brandon Clark becomes interesting. I think you go into lineup HQ if you're playing 100. If I'm single ent- entering, I can't see myself getting to these guys. But there's no denying their upside of Bain, of Morant, and honestly, even Dylan Brooks. And so what I think I would do here is I'd go into lineup HQ. I'd go player groups, new group, can uh, set a conditional player, and I'd make three different ones, one with Morant, one with Bain, one with Brooks and say that in my lineup with them, I need a run back of either Keldon Johnson, Jakob Pertl, or Devin Vassell. And then I would make another group, and then I'd build a rule also that I would play maximum one Memphis, maximum one San Antonio player, just to kind of view this game similarly as that Chicago game we talked about earlier. Chicago and New Orleans. All of these guys could go off. They're probably not going to. Because the game won't stay close or what or because there's multiple guys who are priced uh, around appropriately and it could be any one of them. It's probably not gonna happen. But on a slate this large, if you're running 150 lineups, you just build a couple mini game stacks of it. All of these players are gonna be sub five percent owned. Won't maybe probably won't be that hard to get. 8% of each of them. And if Ja or Bain or Brooks has a big game and San Antonio keeps it close with Vassal or uh, or Keldon Johnson, then you got a very low-owned way to potentially win a GPP. So the t- this is the type of game alongside the New Orleans-Chicago game that it is not a game I would be targeting in cash or single entry. But 
in a in 150 max, I probably would try and go overweight because they're going to be so low owned. Yeah, I agree. And here's the thing: you talk about you know, multi entering and lineup HQ. If you correlate this game and you just have a couple shares of a couple of these guys, but you know they're glued together, if your core hits, you know you're going to have a couple lineups with these correlations in this game. You know, and what do I mean by if your core hits? I mean everyone builds differently. Some people lock certain players in and are super risky. You know, me, depending on the size of the slate, I tend to have I tend to have anywhere between, you know, four or maybe like three to six guys that I'm pushing 50% ownership or more, and I just want that core to hit. So if that core hits, you know, you have a lot of exposure with, you know, the guys you like the most, and you have your player group set accordingly, you know, you can have a couple guys in your core that hit, and then what do you know? You have a Keldon Johnson, Desmond Bain run back, and they both hit ceilings if part of your core hits. You got half of your half of the nuts filled out already in, in that in, in a couple lineups, hopefully. So exactly. And how I like to kind of handle that is what a core looks like for me is it basically I, I it's not something I can really know the night before. Like there'll be some guys that I really like, but what my core looks like is I typically won't lock a player unless that player is already coming in at like 50% ownership. Right. And then it's like, I need to get different somehow. And I think that's good chalk. So I'm just going to play him on every single lineup. For me, what a core looks like is like, I'm going to find five or six players that I'm going to double. I'm going to double the field, whatever their projected ownership is. If somebody's 20%, I want 40% of them. Sometimes that means somebody's 5% owned and just getting a 10%, like 10% ownership on a guy. Or usually what it means for me is, a sneaky value play that I think is good. Like for example, today on DraftKings, looking at somebody like an auto Porter or some of this Utah value. If uh, Jared Vanderbilt goes out, it's looking at those guys who are going to be one or 2% owned and playing 20% of them, not a lock button because I don't want to be screwed. If I'm just flat out wrong about auto Porter, which I probably am. Yeah. Um, because the most likely scenario is Otto Porter is not going to drop a 35 uh, fantasy point performance tonight. But just in case he does, I think that's a good sneaky way to get different than the field. I'll have 20% because if the field's going to have three or 4%, and if he breaks the slate, if he smashes and I have 20% of him, that's enough. I will have the combo to do good enough if he has 35 fantasy points, something like that. So, for me, a core is just a group of guys that I want to get significantly over the field on. It doesn't necessarily mean a lock. Sometimes it means only 20% ownership on those guys, but it's a group that my core is just my way of getting different than everyone else. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. If, if I have time to be meticulous on a night, I'll literally, I'll go into lineup HQ and I'm, I'm you know, if it's a seven o'clock start, maybe I get in there at five. 530 something like that and i will exclude everybody from the player pool and then i'll go through team by team and just really like think this out a little more and add back to the player pool the guys who i actually want in there i just think it it's the like easiest way to do it because then while you're like this is just what i do and there's no right or wrong answer but then as i'm adding the guys back to the player pool i say oh okay trey young and Dejounte murray i want to split those guys so i go in and make a group for those guys at the same time as i'm adding them back to the pool just for conversation's sake. So, uh, of course, that drives me nuts when there's news, but it's easier to just take somebody out and delete a group than try to force something back in. So, lineup HQ is just awesome, isn't it? 
It is. That's my. That's exactly what I do. Except instead of excluding them all and adding back in, I just start with them all in, and then I go team by team and exclude the players I don't want in the pool. But then I do the exact same thing as I make my groups and my rules team by team as I go through. So it's in my mind, and I'm thinking through the script. I'm thinking through all of that, not just oh, okay. Nah, that's not a good point per dollar score. Nah, that's a bad projection. That's a bad projection. Not so much. It's more thinking through the correlations of, uh, of it all. We got an hour and a, a game an hour and a half early on FanDuel. And then on both sites, the last two of the night, you start two hours after all of the other ones. There is a two hour break. Yay. <laughs> Cleveland and Sacramento. Let's see if we can get out of here in under an hour, which. All right. So Cleveland Darius Garland's so cheap. All these concerns, whether it's his eye or he got dinged up again afterwards, and they just haven't adjusted his price. And I know that Donovan Mitchell is a huge usage guy to insert into this rotation. But this isn't like Atlanta. This isn't where they're both 9,500. Darius Garland is way too cheap. Like, you can live with 40 points out of him. He just went for 40, you know? Look at that log since he's been back. He had 13 minutes against Toronto. Massive minutes in each of the last three games. 62, 38, 40 DK points, respectively. This is just a misprice. And he's has a fantastic matchup against Sacramento. So I the really hate that I like somebody in this 10 o'clock game as much as I do. But I do really like this price on DK for Darius Garland. This whole team is pretty stupidly underpriced on DraftKings. Like Evan Mobley's 5,900. Um, Jared Allen, 67. Darius Garland, 69. And Donovan Mitchell is 93. Like, these are all good plays. Garland and and Mobley lead the charge for me. I think they make a very interesting mini stack alongside De'Aaron Fox uh, uh, on the other side of this game. Um, but to me, on DraftKings, the entire, like, Mobley, Allen, Garland, Mitchell, and even Kevin Love are all very interesting to me for tournaments with Garland and Mobley being the priorities. And then on FanDuel, where Garland's up at 8K, Donovan Mitchell's up at 10K, I don't think I have the need to play either of them at all just because there's so many other guards I want to play. But I still think $7,100 Jared Allen, $6,400 Evan Mobley, where you get the block bonuses uh, over on FanDuel. I think both of them make for very interesting tournament plays as well. Garland price up to 8K on FanDuel, so I'm not as interested there. But, man, 6900 is just so damn cheap. Um, Sacramento still not playing good defense in the year 2022, 25th in the league in defensive efficiency. So, time me up for some Darius Garland, who just might get lost in the sauce, um, even at his 6900 price on DK. With all the other early news that's going to break, Probably won't get any news uh, in the Cleveland game, which is good for one. I don't really have any interest in anybody on the other side. I mean, on DK, anyway. Darren Fox at 8,900. You know, Cleveland plays good defense, and they play slow. I don't mind having a couple shares on FanDuel, Darren Fox. But other than that, I think I'm out on Sacramento mostly. Yeah, I, I don't mind using Fox just specifically as a run back if I'm playing Garland and uh, – and, uh, Mobley, Allen, whoever I'm rolling with. So I don't mind Fox in that sense. Um, Sabonis on both sides, I don't think I really have any interest in. He's The price is fine on DraftKings, but 
only center eligible. I don't really know if we have a 60, 65 point ceiling here. And there's just so many other guys I'd rather use that position on. And so, and then on FanDuel, he's, you can play him at power forward, but he's priced up at 9,200. So Fox at 8,300 on FanDuel. I like that price. He's probably my favorite player in this game on FanDuel. But then on DraftKings, where we have everybody on Cleveland underpriced, I like the whole Cleveland side better. And then I don't mind using Fox as a run back. Let's talk about the battle for LA. And we'll start with the Lakers. Uh, Kendrick Nunn coming off a huge game. Uh, That's because Patrick Beverly had COVID and he was out. Now it looks like Beverly is set to play. He's not listed on the injury report ahead of Wednesday's game against the Clippers. So as long as all you know cylinders are firing for Patrick Beverly, that does affect Kendrick Nunn quite a bit. Now Lonnie Walker's questionable, so maybe Nunn is still in the cards here. You say you said the Lakers do weird stuff all the time. Uh, LeBron and AD will carry questionable tags every damn game this season. I just I don't I'm not willing to mess with the Lakers tonight. I I, I don't I don't I think Nunn maybe goes for twenty fantasy points maybe if Patrick Beverly. I don't even think so. Yeah. Like if, if Beverly's in, I would need both Walker and Beverly to be out to need um, to have any interest in none. And with Walker questionable and Beverly not on the injury report, I'm out. I don't think I need to play a single Laker. What do you think about six man Russell Westbrook at 7,300? Nope. Yeah, I'm okay on him too. I don't think he breaks the slate, so I'm, I'm okay. I've been on the wrong side of Paul George every damn slate I've played this year, and uh, the algorithms decided to jack his price up almost a thousand to ten two. So uh, here we are, no Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George has still kind of struggled outside of his one nuke that he's had at least the last four weeks or so. Uh, here's a guy who's going to come in at no ownership, probably. Uh, you know, despite no Kawhi, his price is just like I'm not even prioritizing Paul George on this slate with all the other guys in great spots. We know he's got the seventy point upside, so uh, maybe maybe. Um, Maybe my logic is backwards here, uh, but I just I can't get behind that play tonight. I'd be much more inclined to take a shot on him on FanDuel where he's 9,400. Wow. Zubots is, I think, a very interesting tournament play. But outside of that, like I think we're going to have everybody outside of Kawhi Leonard back for uh, the Clippers. So it's really just, I think George is a strong play on FanDuel at 9,400. You get the extra steal bonus uh, for him over there, and he's cheaper. But other than that, like, yeah, maybe Morris is fine. Maybe Jackson or Wall is fine. But with everybody back, they're all priced appropriately. So I think Zubots and George have the ceilings still. But this, is to me, is one of the most unappealing games on the slate. I agree. And that's it. We just got through this chaotic slate, and hopefully some of... Our hypotheticals and what-ifs can help you put your blueprint together ahead of time. Definitely a lot of injury news uh, you're going to want. Hopefully if we cross our fingers and, uh, you know, say the right things and in the mirror three times and spin around tomorrow, maybe we'll get all the news after shoot-around for once, right? But, like, give me some Chris Paul news, please. Give me some Trey Young news early, please. Can we just hash this out early? It's all we want. Can we do it? It's going to be tough. We're going to hope. We're going to cross our fingers, especially on FanDuel. This slate is going to be nuts. Either 
stack some games early on and so you can forget about the slates but if you're uh if you got some positions open make sure you are waiting on some of this news that we have because it is going to be necessary other than that i uh i'm gonna sit back and work my lineup hq for my computer no content for me later today so next time the people will have seen me i'm already gonna have seen black panther wakanda forever so i'll be a changed man Looking forward to seeing your tweets about it. I know no spoilers, but I know you're going to have some reactions. And uh, I will be back on – when will I be back? Friday mornings, morning grind with Chief. So that's it. My After all this talking we've did, I think my favorite tournament play stud-wise is going to be Jokic. I still think I'm on Jokic Island. So I, I think I think he's going to have a huge game. Who's your favorite tournament stud before we get out of here? Not name Luca. So it's super site dependent. I like you going with the tournament stud who's going to break the slate. I'm going to give us the tournament value who's going to break the slate on DK. Auto Porter. <laughs> start your lineups there, Jokic, Auto Porter. Anyway, Don't start your lineups with Auto Porter, but get over, get significantly over the field in Auto Porter if you're playing a lot of lineups. Large field dart throw. Gotta love it. Let's get out of here. For TJ, I'm the Looch. Have a good night and take care, everybody.